Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, one verse of scripture. Many in this place can probably quote it. Luke 19 and 10 says, For the Son of Man is come. Some are still, I'm going to slow down a minute. Amen. I hear pages flipping. Praise God. Praise God. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. To seek and to save that which was lost. If you'll let me, I'm going to preach from the same title I've now preached from three times in a row. This same Jesus. Amen. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus, we're asking right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you allow the anointing of the Holy Ghost just to move in this place. Lord, we want you to have your way, God, and we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. We take all the limits off of you, God. We're asking that you would do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. It was one of those days. You know the kind of day that I'm talking about, one of those days where everything that could go wrong did. He was frustrated. He was angry. He was disappointed. This wasn't the way this day was supposed to play out. This wasn't the way that things were supposed to be. Today was going to be his day. This was going to be his big moment. Uh, he may have been grasping at straws, uh, but he was hoping uh, that this would be the day uh, that would turn his life uh, around. Uh, he was hoping that this would be the day uh, that things would finally change for him. But nothing ever came easy for him. And on this day, just like so many other days before it, the obstacles that stood in his way were insurmountable. This was one of those moments where his money didn't matter. If he could, he would have bought his way through that crowd. If he could, he would have bribed his way into the meeting that he had so desperately hoped would happen. But nobody was interested in his money today. Who was he kidding? Nobody was ever interested in his money. Wealth has its privileges. That was one of the things that he had banked on. Wealth opens doors into high society. Wealth makes one acceptable in the circles of the elite. Money can do a lot of things, but he was painfully aware that there are some things that money cannot buy. Money can buy a nice house. Money can buy nice clothes. Money can buy all of the most desirable toys, uh, but money cannot buy respect. Uh, money cannot buy friendship. Uh, money cannot fill the void uh, of emptiness on the inside. He was a wealthy man. His business was quite lucrative. When it came to money, he was quite literally rolling in it. But the problem with his money is that it was dirty money. He made his riches from extortion, and everyone knew it. 
People respect money, and they fear power. But when both the money and the power are the ill-gotten gains of an illicit enterprise, they talk about you behind your back. They snicker when you walk by. They won't look you in the eye and say anything bad about you, but the second that you turn your back and walk away, their tongues go to wagon. They start talking about you. All they saw in him was a short, frumpy, arrogant, pompous, wealthy guy who was trying so desperately to live beyond his station in life. What they could not see was the hurting on the inside. They could not see the deep loneliness that haunted his soul. And they would never understand that the thing that he wanted most out of life was simply to be accepted, simply to fit in. He wanted to have friends, real, genuine friends who cared for him because of who he was, not what he had. He wanted to feel accepted loved even by people who actually wanted to be around him, but money can't buy that. Wealth hadn't earned it for him, and his profession ensured that he would never have it. You see, he was a tax collector. As a matter of fact, he was a chief tax collector. He was over a whole network of tax collectors, and they made their money, and he made his money, by preying on innocent people who were afraid of the might of the Roman Empire. It was a shakedown enterprise, and he was good at what he did. He had risen through the ranks until he'd finally become a tax collector in the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho was a wealthy city. It was a custom collection center for the Roman Empire, and it was a very lucrative place to be a tax collector. He had one of the biggest houses around. He had the nicest things that money could buy. He had all the accoutrements of success. From the outside, his life looked perfect. But on the inside, there was a deep sense of loneliness, a terribly frustrating emptiness. Money could not buy what he really needed. It was the emptiness that brought him here. Somewhere, somehow, he heard that Jesus was coming to Jericho. And he left his office early and he slipped out into the streets alone. And he hoped that somehow he might meet this man called Jesus. He hoped that somehow he might have an encounter with this one who might could change his life. He wasn't like many of the others. He wasn't just pressing his way in to catch a glimpse of a celebrity figure. He had heard that Jesus was changing lives. Uh, he had heard that Jesus loved the unlovable, that he touched the untouchable, that he had compassion on those who never deserved compassion. And he knew that he didn't deserve it. He knew that there was nothing good in him, but everything within him longed for a moment in the presence of Jesus, a, a moment that could change his life forever. But now it looked as if that moment would never happen. It seemed that everyone in the city 
and heard that Jesus was coming to town. And they came from everywhere. They came out of the woodworks. They came from the countryside. They came from all around. And the crowd was massive. And there was no way for him to get down to the street where Jesus would be passing by. It was the same old story. Zacchaeus, for all of his success in business, never seemed to be successful in life. He had everything except the things that really mattered. And somehow those important things, those meaningful things, were always just beyond his grasp. That's how he found himself in a tree. A tree of all places. Zacchaeus, the chief publican, a man of position, a man of power, a man of great wealth. And here he was perched in a tree like some desperate schoolchild. But there he was in his tree. Hoping against hope that he might simply catch a glimpse of this Jesus who was changing lives. He had already consigned himself to the fact that this was not his day. He had already settled the matter. He would not have an encounter with Jesus today. After all, how can you have an encounter with Jesus from the branches of a sycamore tree? But at least he would see him. At least he would get close to him. So he ignored the snickers, the sidelong glances, and the whispered comments of the crowd that noticed the rich man in the tree. He swallowed his pride, and he clung to his tree branch, and he watched intently for Jesus to come walking by. But you see, what Zacchaeus did not know was that as bad as he wanted to see Jesus, Jesus wanted to see him. Zacchaeus was the reason for the whole visit to Jericho in the first place, uh, much like the journey to Gadara, which we talked about last night. Uh, Jesus came to Jericho, especially for an encounter with Zacchaeus. Uh, and if Zacchaeus had only known uh, how bad Jesus wanted to see him, uh, he wouldn't have had to climb that silly tree because not even the crowd, not even all the might of the Roman Empire could stop Jesus from coming to where Zacchaeus was. Now you might ask, what was so special about Zacchaeus? Well, nothing really. He was just one of the lost sheep of Israel. And Jesus was the good shepherd who leaves the sheepfold and goes out in the darkness of night and hunts down that one lost sheep. And make no mistake about it, Zacchaeus was the epitome of a man who has lost his way along the way. He never intended to end up knee-deep in crime and corruption. He, he never intended to become an outcast, a pariah of society. All he ever wanted in his life was to fit in. All he ever wanted was to be loved and be accepted and be respected. But he made some bad choices along the way. He trusted the wrong people in his life. He followed the wrong advice. And eventually... 
he lost his way. If ever there was a man who was lost, Zacchaeus was lost. And Jesus Christ came all the way to Jericho for one lost man. He didn't come to see the city and all of its wealth. He didn't come to see the crowds that would come out to meet him. He didn't come to sit with the Roman emperor. He didn't come to see the mayor of the city. He came to see one lost man. And can you imagine Zacchaeus' surprise when he sees Jesus finally when finally Jesus emerges from the crowd and he seems to be walking right to where Zacchaeus is. At first he marvels at his good fortune. He's going to be even closer than he ever thought was possible. But then he realizes Jesus is walking straight to my tree. He's not just going to pass close by. He's not just going to be just out of, out of earshot. He's coming right to where I am. Luke records that Jesus walked right up to that tree where he stopped and lifted his head and looked up into the branches. And then Jesus did the unthinkable. He called Zacchaeus by name and invited himself over. For dinner. In that moment, Brother Anderson, everything changed. As the crowd looked on and all the fact that Jesus was actually talking to this chief publican, uh, Zacchaeus realized, if he knows my name, then he knows my heart. And if he knows my heart, then he knows my pains. And if he knows my pain, then he knows the hurt that haunts me in the middle of the night. And if he knows the frustrations deep in my soul, then he knows the emptiness that exists in my life. And he knows that the reason I'm in this tree is because I want to change. Because I don't want to be this way anymore. Because I'm tired of living the way that I've been living. And all of a sudden, hope springs up. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus realizes uh, that the, he doesn't have to be the same uh, anymore. Things don't have to be the way they've always been. He doesn't have to live this way anymore. And for the first time in his life, uh, he's found hope. He's found mercy. He's found grace. He's found love, and he found it in the person of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, he realizes Jesus came to Jericho just for me. Jesus came to this place just for me. When he walked up to my tree, he already knew my name. He didn't ask for the governor. He didn't ask for the officials. He asked for a lowly man named Zacchaeus. I come to tell somebody in this place, uh, Jesus is here, and he came for you. Uh, he came for me. Uh, he came because he knew that you were going to be in this house. Uh, he made a trip to this place tonight, uh, especially for you.
the truth is tonight, we aren't that different from Zacchaeus. We tend to try to hide our hurts and our emptiness behind the appearance of a life that we, we've got it all together, the perfect life, if you will. Most of us don't have the kind of wealth that Zacchaeus had, but anymore it doesn't take a lot of money to create the perception of a life that's better than it really is. Social media has become the great equalizer. They tell me there are 80 million photographs posted in Instagram every single day. Those are 80 million carefully chosen glimpses into our lives. Those photographs contain the narrative that we want people to see. We don't put up the bad pictures. We go through and we take a bunch of different pictures and we weed through them and then we pick out the very best and then we crop it so-so and then we go into a photo editing software and we enhance it and we, we make it look as good as we can. Uh, those 80 million pictures uh, are the life that we want people to think we live. Uh, they're a fake reality. They're a fairy tale. Uh, they're the kind of life that we want people to think that we have. Those photos contain the perfect smiles. They contain the pretty scenery. They contain those little pieces of Pinterest perfection that we've tried to put out there for the whole world to see. But they don't tell the whole story. They don't portray the hurts and disappointments that are a very real part of our lives. They, don't, they can't portray the emotions and the emptiness that exist on the inside, social scientists tell us that more and more people are living two lives, one online and one offline. Social media has given us what Zacchaeus' wealth gave him, a platform that we can use to conceal the reality of our lives, a place that we can go, a way that we can hide the emptiness that lurks behind the appearance of happiness. But the studies show that instead of making us feel better about ourselves, those enhanced versions of our lives make us more vulnerable to depression and loneliness. Her name was Madison Holleran. She was 19 years old. She was a freshman at an Ivy League school. She was a star athlete and all-around popular girl, and her Instagram account reinforced that image. There were pictures there of her at parties, pictures of her surrounded by smiling friends, photos of track meets where her dad was cheering her on. But Madison was keenly aware that there was a deep divide between her online life and the reality of the life that she lived. Her mother recalled one time when she turned to her daughter and said, Madison, look here, you look so happy in this picture. And Madison replied to her mother, Mom, it's just a picture. And that's all it was. It was a one-dimensional snapshot of a life. It was a brief glimpse of happiness that concealed a deep hurt and longing that Madison couldn't find the words to express. Behind that picture 
below the surface, there was a whole lot of pain. There was a whole lot of loneliness, and there was a tremendously empty life. And no one would understand that until it was too late. One January night last year, Madison posted a photograph of trees strung with lights, bulbs glowing in the twilight. It was a picture-perfect evening in the big city, the kind of thing that you only see on movie sets. It was the image of a happy life. Perhaps it was the image that Madison longed for. But an hour later, she jumped to her death from the ninth store, ninth story of a parking garage. And no one ever knew the pain, the hurting, the depression, the loneliness, the emptiness that drove her to give up her life. No one ever realized that the perfect online persona of a teenage girl living the dream in the big city was a carefully crafted charade that concealed a soul that was adrift, a heart that had wandered astray, a life that was lost. Luke ends the story of Zacchaeus with the words of Jesus Christ, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I come to this house this evening to tell you that the same Jesus who made a special trip to Jericho for one lost soul is in this house tonight and he's come to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, he's still in the business uh, of seeking out lost souls uh, before it's too late. Uh, he's still in the business of rescuing those uh, that have lost their way along the way. He's still the good shepherd uh, seeking out those that have wandered off. In the darkness of night, he's still the one looking for lost people. Jesus is still searching. He's still looking. He's still walking through this place, looking for people. People just like you and me, normal, ordinary people who have lost their way along the way. People who are not inherently bad. People who may have made a few mistakes, but at the core, they're just good people. They're just normal people. They're not the epitome of evil, but they've gotten lost somewhere along the way. They, they lost their identity. They lost their, their moral compass. They've lost track of who they are. They've lost track of where they are, and they've lost track of where they're going. Just normal people who made bad choices. Just normal people who followed the wrong advice. Just normal people who find themselves in places where they never meant to be. Doing things that they never meant to do. Lost people. Lost people who never meant to get lost. But just somehow lost their way. And find themselves in a place where they don't know how to get back. They don't know where to, where to turn. They don't know how to get out of the place where they are. Jesus Christ is looking for lost people. He came to seek and to save that 
which was lost. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ came to this house tonight to find you. He came to this place tonight to, to reach out to you just like you are. But he won't leave you that way. He came to find you lost. But he won't leave you lost. When he touches your life, everything will change. I want you to know Jesus sees past your your Instagram page. He sees past your Facebook reality. He sees past the facade that you put up for everyone else. I want you to know that Jesus sees all the way to a hurting heart. Jesus sees all the way to an empty life. Jesus sees all the way to the loneliness that nobody else knows about. And I want you to know he came to this place tonight just for you. He came to save the lost. He's here to give purpose to those who have no purpose, to give direction to hearts that have lost their way, to give hope to the hopeless. That same Jesus who went to Jericho to change the life of a man named Zacchaeus has come to this house tonight to change your life. If you'll allow me, I just want to tell you, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. Uh, anything he ever did before, he can still do today. If he can take Zacchaeus uh, and save him, uh, my friend, he can take your life uh, and change it. Uh, he never encountered a life uh, that he cannot change. Uh, he never met a loneliness uh, that his love couldn't overcome. Uh, he never met had an emptiness uh, that his spirit couldn't feel uh, and he never found a depression uh, that the joy of his presence uh, couldn't cure. Whatever's going on in your life, Jesus Christ is the answer that you're looking for. Whatever you're up against, Jesus Christ uh, is the answer that you need. You can trust him with the real you. You may not be able to trust your friends with the real you. You may not be able to trust your neighbor with the real you. There may not be anybody in this world that you can really open up your heart to and share the real you. But I come to tell you in this place tonight, you can trust Jesus uh, with the real you. You don't have to hide behind some facade. You don't have to put up some photograph of picture-perfect reality. Jesus Christ already knows who you are, and he loves you just like you are. You can trust him with the hidden places in your heart. You can trust him with the things that nobody else knows. You can trust him with the secrets you wouldn't share with anybody else. He came to this place for you. He came to save the lost. When Jesus looked up into that tree and called Zacchaeus by name, told him to come down. Take me to your house. There was only one possible response. Jesus didn't come just to chat for a moment. He didn't come for a momentary encounter. It's possible that Zacchaeus really thought that was all he was going to get, just maybe a chance to meet Jesus. Jesus came to go home with him. Jesus came to change his life 
forever. I want you to understand why Jesus is here tonight. He didn't come for a momentary encounter. He didn't come for a chance meeting. Uh, he came to go home with somebody tonight. He came to change somebody's life. Uh, he came to fill somebody with a baptism with the Holy Ghost. Uh, he came to take somebody to a whole other place, uh, to turn your life around, uh, to change everything that is. Uh, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Would you stand with me? Brother Ryan, if you come to the music, Zacchaeus was smart enough not to let that moment escape him. Zacchaeus was smart enough to realize that when Jesus says, uh, come down from your tree, uh, there's only one right answer. Uh, there's only one thing to do. Uh, and Zacchaeus, with the hope of a brand new day dawning on his soul, raced down that tree uh, and into the promise of a brand new life. Jesus, he's in this place tonight, and he came just for you. Jesus, I... I'm going to say that again. He came just for you. I don't know what that does for you, but it does something in my spirit to consider. The great God of the age is the ancient of days, the one who was and is and forever will be, who by the power of his word spoke universes into existence. He came to this place tonight for me. He came to this place tonight because he loves me that much. He came to this place tonight for you. And right now, <laughs> he's looking up into your tree and he's calling your name. And maybe nobody else can hear him, but you can. You can hear him. He's calling your name right now. Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. Take me home with you. Your home's never going to be the same again, Zacchaeus. Come down from that tree. The only question that remains is what will you do now? Will you pretend that you don't hear him? Will you hope that if you ignore him long enough, maybe he'll give up and move on to somebody else's tree? Or will you embrace the opportunity that grace has given you tonight? And will you let the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ change your life forever? It doesn't have to be the way it's always been. It doesn't have to stay the way it's always been. Jesus Christ is in this house. And he came just for you. I'm going to ask the church to come and gather around these altars. And I'm inviting you to come and join with them right now. You know who you are. You know what's going on in your life. 
you, you know what we don't know about you because we can't see the inside. We don't know the condition of your heart. We don't know the things that you're hiding. We don't know the hurts that are there. We don't know the emptiness, and we don't know the loneliness, and we don't know the bitterness, and we don't know the pain, but he does.